Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Good evening. Wherever you're on the world listening to this radio broadcast, Stevie B's Media Production presents What a Word from the Lord radio show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina studio in the great state of North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly excuse me, on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, you can give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508 or you can go to Blog Talk Radio website and just type in your search bar, Stevie B Media Productions or Stevie B and you'll see the show will pop up there. There are over 1,800 live shows now on that Blog Talk Radio website at this hour and this show has consistently been on the first two pages of that website. I, I believe we're on page three now of that website. And there are only 10 shows per page on that website. And you will find this show tonight on page three. Now think about that, ladies and gentlemen, over 1800 shows that are live right now on blog talk radio. And we're on, and there's something, I don't know what the criteria is, but I just thank God for the blessings. If you have any questions or comments for any of my special guests or co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can call Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, on tonight, we have a special edition every fourth Tuesday of the month. We have the Kelly Fletcher Show. She serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana. So enjoy your listening experience. Enjoy the show. This is Terry Jackson, and you're listening to a talk with my sisters on What a Word from the Lord radio show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the CBB's Media Production, What a Word from the Lord radio show. I'm your co-host, Kelly Fletcher, with the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana, and you are listening to the Kelly Fletcher Show. Should you have any comments or questions for our guests this evening, please send an email to butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, and we will be sure to forward your comments and questions to our guests. So just to give you a little background of how I met these ladies, um, I was watching uh, the morning news on WRTV, a local channel, and they had a segment about uh, my guest tonight. These three ladies started an organization which was created to provide support for those struggling with addictions in their close relationships. What they were showing and what they were doing was such an inspiration. I reached out to them. We had a Zoom meeting. I invited them on the show, and they graciously accepted. So I am very appreciative uh, to talk to them, Uh, looking forward to talking to them tonight. But before we get started, um, we do have two of the three ladies tonight. Uh, I will let them introduce themselves. So, Katie, If you could please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background, and then Jessica, if you can introduce yourself. 
Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having us on. We are very, very excited. Uh, my name is Katie McCone-Jones. Uh, I live in Indiana where you are, Kelly, uh, and I have a husband and two young children, six and three, so just a busy mom, busy uh, working professional, and uh, love doing this passion project uh, that we're talking to you about tonight. Thank you. Jessica? Hi. Yeah, hi. I am uh, Jessica. So similar to Katie, a working professional mom here in the Indiana area. I have a, I'm married to my um, husband. We've been together for almost 10 years now, and we have a two-and-a-half-year-old. Um, yeah, and I'm very excited to be chatting with you about our project. Thank you. Thank you both so much once again. Um, and before we get started with the questions, I just want to let you know that there is no time limit on your responses. Um, once one responds, uh, the other can um, piggyback with any comments that they have, and we'll just kind of go back and forth until there's no more comments, and then we'll go on to the next question. Uh, if something happens and we don't get through them all, that is perfectly fine. We want to try to um, get as much information and uh, give as much information as possible to our listeners. Uh, so, Jessica, if I could please start with you. Um, mm -hmm. Can you please tell us what is Recovering To and how and why did it get started? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So, Recovering To is, as Katie mentioned, a passion project that um, myself, Katie, and our other co-founder, Shannon, created basically because we were looking for something like it. So I can tell you that origin story a little bit. So Recovering Two is really an organization and a community um, focused on providing support to loved ones, supporting family members, spouses, anyone that they um they love and care about through an addiction or their recovery. So why it got started was all three of our spouses um, ended up in recovery around the same time, and we met at a local treatment facility and were able to form a really good friendship and connection and just support system for one another. After three or four years of loving and helping one another through kind of a our partners' recoveries, but also our own. We kind of just thought about all of the people out there who don't have that support group and just how meaningful and how impactful it had been um, and just healthy it had been for us. So we wanted to create a community um, to help others like ourselves and just to kind of give back. And, um, yeah, I can answer any specific questions, but that's the general story of how it got started. And then what it's become is, um, essentially a podcast, so we talk about, we share our personal stories and share the stories of others navigating this road with their loved ones, um, also experts in the space, doctors and counselors, things like that on our podcast, Boy, Problem, Boy Problems Podcast, and then we also have a monthly support group where we get together on Zoom um, with women mostly all around the country, sometimes the world, depending on the month. And we just offer a, a safe space to kind of talk and share experiences and stories and just offer a bit of community to um, others exactly like ourselves. So, yeah, that's, that's recovering too. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really uh, inspirational, and I I'm sure really helpful for those who uh, are dealing with loved ones or or suffering with loved ones who are dealing with substance abuse. Um, mm-hmm. Katie, how how did you navigate life with a spouse who was suffering from substance abuse disorder prior to attending a support group? Yeah, absolutely. So I started dating my husband when I was 19 and uh, in college, you know, just having fun. And then uh, after we got married, uh, you know, things, uh, you know, we lived together and things just kind of started to get weird. We kind of just stopped talking. Um, You know, he just kind of was really mean and and money was going missing and I didn't know what was going on. Um, So for me, I was blindsided by my husband's addiction. Jessica um, has a, a different uh, experience with that. Uh, but so after nine years of being with my husband, uh, did I find out that he had an addiction to heroin and pills? And so it came um, to light. Uh, you know, he had a unfortunately a, a serious overdose and quite a few car accidents that it it came out and it was just like. I was at my breaking point where I was ready to, to leave my marriage. And so um, when after he got in the car accident, um, he was put in jail. And um, after that, he came clean about what he was going through and struggling through. And so thankfully, we live in an area that when we truly are just down the street from a treatment facility. And it was like, okay, well, let's try to get you into this treatment facility. And he did. And, and thankfully, he's um, stayed on a path to recovery. But it was a very, I mean, he had been using since he was 15. Um, it didn't start out with heroin, but um, he had been using since he was 15. And so um, it just progressively gets worse. And I think sometimes, um, you know, when we're talking to people, it's like, well, how, how could you be, how did you not know? Or how could you be with a with an addict or something like that? And I think um, an example that we'd like to give is, you know, the, you know, the frog in a boiling pot, you know, you put the frog in mm-hmm. warm water and then you eventually boil it up and they die. But if you would throw mm-hmm. the frog in boiling water, they would jump out. And so for us, it was kind of that slow simmer. Like if he would have treated me like he did at the end, at the beginning of our relationship, I probably would not have pursued the relationship with my husband, but um, right. it was just a gradual buildup. And so, you know, for me, you just stop talking to all your friends because, you know, they're kind of acting crazy when you go out and you hang out. And so it was very lonely. Um, and so to piggyback off of what Jessica said earlier about why we started, um, this disease is very lonely. It's very shameful. And so we want to shed some light on that that it is a disease. It is not a moral failing or anything like that. And so we're hoping, we know that we're very fortunate to have somehow randomly found each other in this family support group, because that is not common. And so we know that people live in all parts of the world um, that maybe, you know, your town does not have any support groups. And so that's, you know, our hope is just to reach those people who are feeling so alone or so ashamed. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Jessica, did you have anything to add, or how how did you navigate life uh, with your yeah. spouse? Yeah, I think um, my story mirrors Katie's a lot in that, you know, at the beginning, um, my husband, had, when we met, he um, 
is a veteran, and after he got back from Iraq, he had sought treatment at the VA. And so when we met, he was actually in a recovery program. And so I was aware of, you know, his challenge. And um, so it was a little bit different in that in that regard. But I think that for me, prior to getting connected to a community that really understood what I was going through and what my thoughts was going through, I agree. It's just kind of lonely. You don't really know where to turn. You know, no one grows up and thinks of their, like, future husband you know, as someone who's in rehab, like you just, that's just not like the life that I kind of envisioned for myself. So I think there's like some sadness about that. And like, like Katie mentioned, um, some shame. And especially because you're afraid of what other people are going to think of you and your spouse. And, you know, I know he's a great person and I'm super proud of, you know, how he's grown um, since he's started pursuing recovery. But at that at that very early stage, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know, and it was all very scary, and I agree, kind of lonely. Um, but that all changed, I mean, slowly over time. It's not like I just went to a support group and like, all of a sudden, but I think it's the same as when you find any community that you relate to, that cares about you, um, that is a, a true support system for you. I think that, uh, you know, any time you're in a group like that, um, it's like a family, and if there are people that you can turn to when things get hard, and it just makes, you know, a burden shared is a burden halved, and right. I think that that has been true for me, that when I have a group of people just supporting me and just being there with me, it makes it much more manageable. Um, so that's the difference in, in the pre kind of support group and, uh, after we started, both of us, my husband and I started joining recovery communities, but it makes it a world of difference. That sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, support, supporting is each other and, and everyone being in a group together, I'm sure that really helps with. Uh, being able to manage life a whole lot better. Um, mm-hmm. So who who else is impacted in going through recovery um, besides, besides the spouses? Um, who else is impacted and how does that affect them? We can jump and in, Katie, but, I'll um, address that to you. I'm sorry. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, I mean – Really, when you think about it, kind of everybody's impacted in, in, in different ways. Um, so for us now, um, we didn't have children until um, um, Kevin got on to a path of recovery. But, you know, children are absolutely affected when parent um, is suffering from this disease. Um, you can think like my husband. Um, unfortunately, he was stealing money from not only our bank account, but also from his mom. Um, so there's a lot of people that, unfortunately, to uh, you know feed their addiction, they have to steal or do just some things that they would not normally do, uh, just because the drug is number one in their life. Uh, so children are affected, spouses, parents. Uh, you can think like my husband was um, unfortunately out driving on the roads and got in many car accidents. Thankfully, he never injured anyone. Um, it was mostly just fender benders and things like that. So kind of the population at large uh, when he was driving. Um, 
you know, and then work too, you know, people, there's many people that we know and work with who uh, may have a problem with alcohol or different things like that. And they come to work and maybe you have to pick up the slack for them. Um, so I, I think really it kind of touches everyone. And I guess me, you know, I'm, I'm looking out my window here and my neighborhood was affected. I mean, there was always police at my house or um, uh, fire trucks and ambulances because, you know, he was overdosing or we had medical emergencies. And so like, you know, the neighbors, you know, so it, I think yeah. it just, it touches more people than you may think. Jess, anything else oh. on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that, you know, they say that addiction is a family disease. And I think um, when you think of it in that light, it's really anyone that cares and loves for the person is affected in some way or depends on them, either in a work situation, as Katie mentioned, or in your family situation. Um, yeah, it's it's something that it doesn't happen in a silo. And, it, and even if, you know, in my case, we didn't have, you know, theft and things like that, but it, it impacted everyone that cared about my husband. So I think no matter what the addiction looks like, um, what stage it's in, you know, if you care and love about someone, it's really hard to watch them suffer. And, um, yeah, so I agree. I think it's a whole whole family, whole community uh, affliction, and it, it truly does require everyone to kind of give this person love, compassion, and support. So I think that both the addiction and the recovery um, are a whole family, are part of the family component. Okay. So when it comes to, um, say, small children, um, how how can they recover from from this? I know this with with you guys, it was uh, prior to children, but for those who may be um, may have a loved one and there are children present, um, Jessica, how? Can they help their children to recover? Yeah, that's such a good question. I don't have all the answers, but I can just kind of yeah. share from my own experience that, you know, I think especially as a mother, the first priority for children is safety. You know, like mm-hmm. Katie mentioned, there are so many components to addiction. It can it can truly rule, like, uh, you know, my husband is a great father, but if you were – in his addiction, you know, that would be his main motivation because that's just how the brain works and that's how addiction works. Um, mm-hmm. That's a serious thing to think about, you know, like where would he take my child, where who would be interacting. There's just a lot of, like, rabbit holes you can go down in that. So I think protection of um, at least my child for me is first and foremost his safety. Um mm-hmm. You know, and then in addition to that, I think that there's also just including the children. You know, children are smart. They're, they're so intelligent and wise. And, you know, they know things that maybe we don't know they know or they sense things. And um, I think just, you know, showing them respect and, and kindness and, like, being as age-appropriately honest as you can. You know, my your dad is sick. He's getting help. You know, this is how we can support him. And then also supporting them, you know, giving them extra love and support, whether that's their own. There are children-focused support groups for this exact thing. Um, You know, just more time with family or whatever that looks like for you and your family, like whatever would nourish your your children. I think that's the um, 
the biggest the biggest takeaways, you know, first and foremost, safety, and then including them in recovery. And, and, and I think it can also be, you know, because addiction is a family disease and it, a lot of times is a behavior we turn to because it's maybe what we witnessed, how our parents dealt with life or stress or whatever, or whoever they witnessed with an addiction. Um, you want to set them up to not, you know, follow the same the same patterns and kind of break that cycle. So I think a big piece of my advice would be include them in the recovery and don't assume that they, that they don't know what's happening. Right. Right. Katie, did you have anything to add? Yeah. I would say that um, those, those groups that Jessica referred to, I mean, there's probably uh, different groups all over, but I am pretty sure there's Alatot and Alateen, uh, which are groups for that are specifically for children. Uh, so I think, you know, if, if someone who has a kid um, is looking for that, you know, Alateen is something that you can search for. Uh, I think another part of this is hopefully the parent or the caregiver um, who is um, not uh, suffering with the disease um, can lean on their village uh, because in the beginning, husband was early in recovery when I had my newborn and she had colic and there was no way that I would leave a screaming baby with my newly um, sober husband. And so I had to rely on family and friends to help take care of my kids because I just lost my husband being alone with my kid yet. Um, I know another one of the moms who had support group. Um, she had two children while her husband was in active use. And, you know, she got in a mom group on Facebook and was just saying like, hey, is anybody in this area? I have to work, you know, so you can hopefully find people to keep your children safe if you have to go to work and things like that. Um, just, you know, you may have to think of some unconventional ways. Um, right. Yeah. Now, you said Alatot and Alatine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that one's for, like, Alatot. Yeah, I think Alatot's for, like, the little ones, and then Alatine is for, like, the teenagers who are um, going through the disease with, like, a a, a guardian or a parent. Okay, okay. Um, And then uh, one more question before we uh, go to break. Katie, how do you build trust again then with your loved one um, who is suffering from that disorder? Yeah. And how difficult I is think, it to rebuild trust? <laughs> I think that is probably one of the number one questions that we get asked because trust yeah. is absolutely obliterated. Uh, there's, you know, just a ton of, you know, really uh, deceitful things that come along with this disease, unfortunately. Um, so something for me, uh, because my husband stole so much money, for us, one thing that we did uh, was he, you know, I broke apart our bank accounts. He was not allowed access to any of um, our joint money. His check had to go into an account that I controlled. And so we started very simply with $50. Actually, I think we started with $25 on a debit card, and every purchase he made, even if it was like a $2 candy bar, I think he had to bring me a receipt. And if he didn't bring me a receipt, I told him I was assuming that it was drugs. And so if he wanted to work on this um, with me, 
then he, that was something that he had to do and provide for me because, uh, unfortunately, um, Kroger, uh, like that, he would go um, take his dealers to the grocery store and then buy the groceries for them and, and trade for mm. drugs. So I didn't know what to trust. You know, it wasn't always just like these right. ATM withdrawals. It, he did it in very sneaky ways. Um, so for me, it was the paper receipts that helped build our trust back because he could say, I spent, I saw $5 come out of the account and I saw a $5 candy bar receipt. And so that just um, helped. And I believe um, what we have always said is truth plus time equals trust. And so that's something for me, it's just little by little, you know, just, you just can't fully trust, you know, in an instant, you're like, oh, you know, it's just, it's just not that way. I mean, it's it's taken years and my husband um, is almost seven years clean. So it's, Okay. To the bank account probably a couple years ago. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, and I I am thankful that he he is clean for uh, has been for seven years. So that that's amazing. Um, yeah. Jessica, how about you? How how did you build trust again with your husband? Yeah, I think a lot of the same ways. I I really like what Katie said about. Um, the truth plus time equals trust. I think that's a great thing to consider. I think it's just a lot of small um, reassurances built up over time. But it's, you know, taking a lot of work, a lot of communication, a lot of compromise. I mean, maybe things that you would, um, that are typical in a marriage, just about a different topic. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think just a lot of work together obviously having, you know, love and compassion and then just trying to, for one another, and then really just trying to work towards the same goal and, and being there for one another. It's really a partnership um, for us. But yeah, I think, yeah, it just takes a lot of time and um, a lot of effort, I think. But you know, when you start to see the work pay off, um, you can, it, it really becomes easier. It makes it makes you see that it's truly worth it and you're building something better than even before as a result, which is great. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. Um, We're going to go ahead and and go to break, but I do want to say I really appreciate um, your transparency so far and sharing your stories. Uh, We'll go ahead and take a a break, and then when we come back, we will get into – the role that Jessica and Katie uh, have with Recovering Too. So we'll be back shortly. When I think about my love, what it does for me, I may not get it at the moment, but I trust it with the holy, holy. He may move my life and replant me where I can grow in his blessing, Lord, yeah. Cool water flowing through me. He's 
never more than a hallelujah way. So hallelujah, hallelujah, he's so good. Hey sis, this is Genesis Archer and you're listening to A Talk With My Sister on What A Word From The Lord Radio Show. Peace and love. Welcome back to our show. You are listening to The Kelly Fletcher Show and my special guests, uh, Jessica and Katie with uh, Recovering Too. Um, We've been discussing um, how to navigate life and um, being with a loved one and and a loved one that is suffering from a substance abuse disorder. Um, So I appreciate the information they have shared with us so far. Uh, so we'll move on to our uh, questions. So, uh, Jessica, um, can you please share with us what specific role you play in recovering to? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think we all kind of do a lot of it's, – it's very much a passion project and kind of a startup in a sense. Um, so we wear many hats, but I think the thing that I do maybe different than ever, um, the other girls is I do all the technology, um, all of our website and, you know, all of anything technical related to all of that setup. I, I focus on that. Um, and also, you know, co-lead our monthly support groups and, um, and yeah, so the the one thing I typically don't do is like social media, but other than that, you know, really hands on with the the technical side of things. Okay, thank you. Um, so you you have said that you believe there are many paths uh, to recovery. Uh, do you mind giving us uh, one or two examples of those paths and and elaborate on what that looks like? for individuals that are recovering, too. Yes, absolutely. So um, I think it's maybe easier to think of this as two paths. So you have the person with the addiction, with the disease, they have a path to recovery, and then you have also the family. So we mentioned it's a family disease, and a lot of times the trust, like we've talked about, and, and other basic like components of how the family works, and us as individually, especially the women of our families, we likely take on most of, you know, the responsibility and, and things like that. So for the recovering person, so for my, hus- my husband, for example, you know, there are many different avenues that you can pursue for recovery. Some people um, 
are blessed enough to be able to just quit. You know, some people can do that. And um, mm-hmm. so there's some people that will just be like, I'm just tired and I want to quit. That works for some people. I think this the this is all the reasons that our loved ones use are very individual. And I think that uh, what works to help them quit is also individual. So that's what I mean. And, you know, obviously there are paths like my husband took, which were, you know, rehab and you know, medical treatment and um, his his support groups. He lived at a halfway house um, twice during his recovery. So finding community among men like himself, um, you know, those things were what worked for my spouse. Um, there are you know traditional programs like AA, NA, you know. Um, like recovery programs where you go to meetings all the time and have a sponsor and and do things like that. That's probably the more traditional route that most people think of when they think of recovery. Um, My husband did that for a time, but that's not um, for him. You know, he needs more therapy and and things like that seem to be tools that have more of an impact um, in his specific recovery. So that's what I mean. You know, there are many different ways. I think ultimately the goal is, we want our loved ones sober and healthy. And so I'm a true believer that whatever that path is, you know, I, I, I support it. Let's just get there. You know, let's make sure you're healthy and happy and able to uh, give back to our family wholly. So that's, that's what I mean by that. And then, so for the other side too, so um, from my side, for instance, or the loved one, it could be very individual. Maybe you're not a person that really enjoys support groups. I wasn't <laughs> at first, um, right. but I found, you know, such a loving community that it was truly a place that I didn't know I even needed. But I think there are lots of different things you can try, like counseling or, um, you know, your church community, or there are so many different support networks that you can utilize, um, we did also do couples counseling to help us work on our relationship. So lots and lots of tools available, and a lot of times it's trial and error. And we found that as well. Like we just are willing to try things because we're, we're working towards just one goal of being a healthy, happy family. And, you know, if something doesn't work, we're quick to be like, okay, let's just try the next thing and, um, and see what, what clicks for us. So, that's what I mean by the multiple multiple paths. I think whatever whatever makes you whole and happy and, and supports your family's goals is is perfectly fine along this journey. Okay. All right. Thank you for sharing that. So, um, when did your recovery begin, and when did you start to take care of you? Such a good question. Um, you know, I didn't even know any of this, so I can say today, you know, family, uh, addiction is a family disease, and you need to take care of yourself, but at the beginning, that is absolutely not what I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking, right. there's something wrong with my partner. You know, he's acting crazy, and like, I don't know what to do, and, you know, he's going to die. Like, those are the thoughts you have in, a, in the moment, you know, because you kind of see the um, severity of the disease. So I would say, you know, once my husband engaged in rehab at a treatment center and that treatment center had a support group for families, I went to that and I started being exposed to, you know, just different components of addiction and other, 
like people like Katie and Shannon, you know, other women my age in the same stage of life as me dealing with the same thing or it's like hearing from mothers and grandmothers and siblings and, you know, children of that had loved ones in the same treatment program as my husband. And it was just like, oh, like, I just, things clicked that I'm not the only person dealing with this, which as we mentioned, you kind of feel like at the beginning because it does feel so lonely. And, right. you know, maybe you haven't encountered another person or another family going through this. And especially being a spouse, it's the easiest thing to do is not be with this person. You know, a lot of people just feel like, well, you you should leave. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. that's not bad advice. Um, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think once I started getting engaged with other people and seeing them at different stages of their recovery, I was like, oh, the way I'm feeling and reacting is in response to this and maybe there's something to this. And so it was just kind of seeing some commonalities and other people going through the same thing as me and then realizing like, oh, I'm not doing really great either <laughs> and um, really kind of trying to take care of myself, um, which a lot of times just included having boundaries with my loved one, you know, things that I just would not tolerate. Um, to protect my own mental health and well-being. So hopefully that fully answers your question, but um, that's really kind mm-hmm. of how I got to the place of of working on me. Okay. Well, thank you. And, yes, ma'am, it did answer my question, so I, <laughs> I really appreciate the, uh, the information. Um, Katie, what specific role do you play in recovering to? Absolutely. I uh, mostly, uh, so I love uh, just like talking to people and trying Mm -hmm. new things. And so for me, uh, finding guests for our podcast is something that I do. So editing the podcast and putting it up online is uh, a lot of what I do. I recently, so I, um, my counselor, when I was going through the beginning stages of this, uh, I was like, oh, I'm so mad, I have so much anger, and she was like, you should write a blog, you could help a lot of people. So seven years ago, I wrote a blog, and it was this whole thing, and I never posted it. But uh, just recently, I started posting my blogs for the first time. I haven't read them in seven years, and so it's, uh, I just started posting them, and it's really neat for me to look back on my real, raw emotions, and I've yeah. been doing a reflection on those seven years later, and um, that's, that's been really neat uh, to do because that's just a, a, a different way um, that I was able to express my feelings back then, which was so helpful. Okay. So you said um, you are said to ask those spicy, hot, fiery questions that encourages <laughs> others to look at hard truths. <laughs> So can yeah. you give us a couple of examples of truth uh, those who are recovering too must come to terms with? And how <laughs> so easy think, is it to uh, face them? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, and Jessica can probably attest to this, that I <laughs> love to get, because like, I don't want to know about mowing your lawn. I don't, that's, that doesn't interest me. Like I want true, genuine human connections. And so 
when somebody may ask a question or two about like, how are you? How's it going? Uh, I just keep going often, not out of malicious, but just like, I really want to know, like, what's up? How's it going? And so, one. Hello? Katie? Jessica? I can hear you. Okay. I think we lost Katie. Well, while we're waiting for her to come back, her oh. uh, her phone. Are you there, Katie? Oh, yeah, I'm here. I don't know what happened. Okay. <laughs> can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. We can hear you now. So sorry about that. Uh, I guess where I was going was I just like to ask a lot of questions, and yeah. uh, I really uh, I just keep going, <laughs> which is okay. what uh, I think the spicy hot fire thing is. <laughs> trying to trying to dig in and pull out the truth. <laughs> What's yeah. really going on? So when did your recovery begin, and when did you start taking care of yourself? Yeah. It would be uh, very similar to Jessica, I think, going to that family support group. Um, at that point, like, I just had stopped talking to friends. And, uh, you know, at that point, I was 20, uh, I don't know, in my 20s. And it's like yeah. nobody else my age can be going through this. Nobody else's husband can be, uh, you know, getting in, you know, six car wrecks in a month and stealing tons of money. Uh, and so for me, sitting in that support group and just laying it all out on my first group, um, I'm very open with sharing. And that was just so healing. And so um, I had been in support groups in the past for different things. And so I know that that's something that I love and that I get a lot out of. And so for me, that was when kind of like a light bulb came off of, oh, my gosh, I'm not the only one going through this. And these people have walked this path. And so I just wanted to soak it up like a sponge, kind of like Jessica was saying, like just seeing other people's struggles and victories uh, was so wonderful. And so I knew at that point that that was what I wanted to, to do and how I needed to heal. Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So for our listening audience, Katie, do you have uh, what advice if there's someone that's going that's dealing with something like this now, what advice can you share with them? I would share that um, you know, co- you know, at least come to us, come come to the virtual support group. Like you are not alone. It is not shameful. It is not. You're not. Um, you know, I think stupid comes to my head because I felt so stupid being with my husband. Um, Like you're just not alone. And so for me, it's like find a community that you feel safe with that can help you navigate this. So find someone who may have gone through this and um, be open. Like Jessica said, in the beginning, you know, it's, do 90 meetings in 90 days, and you have to do it ABC. But as we've gone uh, down this road, we have learned that, you know, relapses are common. And, um, you know, meetings works for my husband, but for Jessica's husband, that's not the way. And so recovery is in many different shades. 
Uh, and I think education, getting education around the disease is huge, and I think that's major. Okay. And Jessica, do you have any final thoughts or advice you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I echo um, what Katie said. The first thing that came to mind when you asked that is, you know, you're not alone. There are so many people um, dealing with this in some capacity in their life. So every family has someone with an addiction. I mean, it's just the science behind it. Um, so I think that's the first and foremost, the first thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your family. Like this is common, and there's help. Um, so just to echo what Katie said about you know finding a support group, things like that. But then also, I think one of the things I got really hung up on at the beginning was perfection. You know, like it's it's sobriety or nothing. You know, and I think that this is a really hard thing. Um, to overcome, you know, and, and our loved ones that are able to do it, it's amazing. And um, I think that but the road to get there is not always smooth. It's not just you go to rehab or you go to a support group or you go to AA and you're on your way and it's all good from here. That's, that's unfortunately just not true for many, many people. And um, as a loved one, I was looking to my spouse and, and wondering, like, when he would have a setback or wouldn't do things exactly like I thought they should be done, it was like, oh, well, you're not doing this enough, you know, like you're not trying hard enough or it comes back to that moral failing or the willpower. And, you know, over time I've learned, especially hearing other people's stories, that it's just much more about progress than perfection. You know, how is, how are you doing? How are, you know, how is your family doing? And are you better than you were yesterday? And just kind of breaking it down one day at a time um, and those days slowly add up. So those are the two things. Like you're not alone and, you know, any progress is is a positive step forward um, when you're healing with in recovery. So that's what I would say. Right, right. Okay, thank you. Um, so can, can in either of you, if Katie, you want to answer this, can you please share... Um, your website and how maybe our listeners can reach you guys for additional information or if they want to participate or attend a, a support group? Yeah, absolutely. Our website is recovering2.com, so recovering then T-O-O. Our email address is hello at recovering2.com. Uh, so you can get to us through our website. You can see our support group through our website. Our website, our support groups are via Zoom. They are the third Tuesday of every month, and they're free. And we would just love to meet anyone there. And, oh, and our okay. podcast is Boy Problems Podcast. So we have over 85 episodes right now. We've been doing it for three years. And so there's a lot of content on there uh, that you can just, uh, you can binge it, or you can pick and choose uh, what stories might relate to your circumstance. Okay, and one more time, can you share the podcast again, please? Yeah, so Boy okay. Problems Podcast. Okay, Boy Problems Podcast. Okay, I was I was making sure I wrote down some information as well. So um, I do want to thank you too again. I know I've said it before, but I'm really appreciative of you guys being on. Um, I'm 
thankful that you shared some of your story with us um, and the strength and the courage that you guys have had and have um, while you were working with your husbands. Um, I, I'm thankful for, for allowing this platform, giving us the opportunity to discuss really important topics such as this. If anyone in our listening audience has any questions or, comment or comments for our guests, please feel free to email butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com or you can email hello at recovering2.com. I believe I wrote that down correctly. Um, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for our listening audience. I'm hoping and praying that the topic that we discussed tonight is beneficial and that it will be helpful for you in the future. Um, everyone have a great evening, and I will turn this over to Brother Stevie. Thank you. This is Terry Jackson, and you're listening to A Talk With My Sisters on What A Word From The Lord radio show. You're listening to What A Word From The Lord radio show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show.